Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. You know I'm going to say it, and I'm going to say it right now. One week left until Let's Talk Dubs One Crazy Weekend kicks off next Friday. That's right, next Friday, a meet and greet at the hotel. Show up anytime, but around 8 o'clock in the evening, we're going to hit the strip for a big organized strip cruise. I'm excited to see this going on now for the third year. Pre-registration is huge. It's going to be a great turnout. I'm really excited to see all those people that have been coming for the past couple of years that are supporting us again. A lot of locals will be out there, and it's going to be one awesome strip crew. So I'm super stoked to get this thing kicked off. So you guys want to make sure that you're at this event, go to letstalkdubs.com, click on the link that says Showtime or One Crazy Weekend, and go ahead and register for the event. Now, there's two registration costs. There's a registration for the car show, which is 30 bucks, and there's $50 for the poker run. So... The poker run is your chance to your opportunity to win up to fifteen hundred dollars in cash money if you have the best poker hand. It's a great time. Cruise your Volkswagen around Las Vegas Valley, stopping to pick up some poker cards here and there. Your final card is given to you at the Orleans Hotel and Casino, and the best hand wins. We got a first, second, and third place cash prizes. We may have some uh, some other extra cash prizes thrown in just for the fun of it. So we're coming up with those, some sneak things to throw in there last minute so everybody has a chance to win. It's a great time. The shirts are off the chain this year. Uh, they're designed by Steve Nazar, who is, comes from uh, the TNC Surf OP and Big Dog's background. He's the artist that was doing those shirts for years. So the event shirts are off the chain. And when you enter the poker run for 50 bucks, you get a shirt. Just a shirt by itself, it's a limited print shirt. They're one specific color only for the people that are in the poker run. And this year, the event shirts are a modified version of the original on a different color tee altogether. So you get to have an exclusive shirt for the event by participating in the poker run. And when you register for the car show, you get a little bit of a goodie bag as well as some stickers and a poster for the event. My suggestion to you guys is take that poster and have the people that you're there hanging out with have them sign the back of the poster. A lot of times these events are where we make some friends and we all hang out and forge these relationships. So it'd be a good memento to have that later on in life. Look at it, flip it over, look at all the signatures on the back and remember the good times that you had here at the Orleans Hotel and Casino for one crazy weekend brought to you by Finley Volkswagen. Uh, the Wagon, Let's Talk Dubs, Sunkiss Graphics, Ross Wolf, VW Trans Magazine, Dan Volk, Nevada Off-Road Buggy. There's lots of people involved in putting this event on, and I appreciate all the support that we get from everyone. Now, today's podcast is another one that I did, another one that I did in Samoa Drag Strip up in Eureka, California for the Fast Four Cartel Blitz the Beach. I finally was able to sit down with Joe Koning. Now, Joe Koning is the East Coast engine builder. He's a longtime drag racer. He's been heavy in the drag racing scene from street racing to drag racing all over the East Coast. Uh, he comes out of Jersey. They, he's known as Jersey Joe Koning, and he is now really known for building a lot of the big top drag motors that are over there. He happened to be there helping uh, Tom Kenny get his car tuned and some things to that extent on the track. It was, uh, it was great to sit down with him, got to chat, got to get some East Side, some East Coast history and what he's doing, what he's been doing, how he got in the scene and how he started building engines. So it's a great podcast this week. I know you guys will enjoy it. Before we kick this off, if you guys want to get a shot out on the podcast, make sure you leave us a review, a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. 
and I'll give you a shout out or pick up some merch. But don't forget to support our sponsors, VW Trends Magazine, uh, Magazine for the People by the People, back on the scene after long hiatus, VW Trends Magazine. They will be at the One Crazy Weekend event. So sign up for your subscription there, pick up some cool shirts, say hi to Dan and the crew over there, and check them out and subscribe at VWTrendsMagazine.com as well as Ross Wolf. Get some of your finest aftermarket quality parts from Ross Wolf. Check their website out today at rosswolf.com, purveyors of speed and style for air-cooled VWs. Let's get into this next podcast. It's all about drag racing, engine building, from the man himself, the East Coast legend, Joe Koning, on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Okay, everybody, so out here at the uh, Blitz at the Beach 2, another podcast getting ready to go in the books, and I finally tracked him down from the East Coast. He's out here, Joe Koenig. That's me. Welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks, Bill. Now, you're known as Jersey Joe, right? Because yep. you, you don't have a Texas accent, right? You got a little bit of a, <laughs> yeah. bit of a Jersey accent. <laughs> I now, don't even really have a Jersey accent. Right? So you are known on the west coast as the east coast engine builder and before all that came about we always start the podcast the same way what's your vw story and how did you get into volkswagens so my story oh gosh i got into volkswagens back in high school because a friend of mine he ended up getting buying a 73 super beetle Mm -hmm. And at the time, my father raced V8, so I kind of grew up around V8s. So I was getting ready to start building like a 68 Camaro, my dream car and stuff for high school. So um, he had a Super Beetle, and it needed a clutch. So I remember him asking me, knew I had a mechanical background. And he's like, Joe, I need you to help me put this clutch in this car. And I'm like, I don't know anything about those stupid things. Like, right. you know, don't don't the motors come out, you know, don't they come out of the bottom or something? Yeah. So anyway, I was like, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. So I'm like, all right, let's, we'll put a clutch in it. So he went to a shop up by, uh, so back when like, it was a foreign car shop. And I remember going in there for a clutch. And on the counter was a uh, bug pack catalog. And I remember looking at the bug pack catalog. I'm like, oh my gosh, they race these things? So on the cover was the uh, Super Street, the yellow and red bug pack sedan, yeah. I think it's hanging from the rafters or whatnot now. Uh, that was on the cover, and I was scrolling through it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like four-inch pistons, and I'm like, I'm like oh, so we got to put like a header on this car, and we got to do a bunch of things. Yeah, you're seeing a whole a whole litany of things that you can bolt onto this dude. Totally. So, um, so we get back, uh, I end up putting a clutch in the car. And after a while, he ended up buying like um, like a street sedan header and stuff like that. So anyway, he put a header on the car and some other things like that. So granted, we're in, we're seniors in high school. We have no money. Yeah. So then I find a guy that had one, uh, and I bought it off of him, and uh, get it to my house, and it was a complete rat. So I ended up pulling the motor out and porting the head and doing a bunch of stuff myself, and I like dual really? cage runs. Yeah, just stuff, and then I would street race it up and down 
this and, road. And and how how was it like in the street racing days when you were having that thing? I mean, like you'd just go find regular stock cars and try to take them out? Well, and, back in 1992, 93, the yeah. Mustang GT was a fast thing. So it was like 14-second street car was fast. Yeah. So a couple of my buddies had the Mustangs with bolt on. So they were only like 1430s, 1420s. And... Um, I had like a stock transmission in this car. So right. basically, I would just get them from first, second. As soon as I pulled third gear, kind of get pulled right, down. Right, right, So, I mean, I street raced the heck out of that car. Well, so. you know, I, back in the day when I used to go to the street races, they used to do them at the top of Sahara in Vegas. Mm. We'd go there. And what I realized <laughs> at street races is no one really runs a quarter mile in a street race. No. And no it's never a quarter mile. Especially like street guys that aren't really track guys. Mm. And once you're in a Volkswagen, you're out by second gear, and you're pulling so hard. They, totally. A lot of times they'll give up before they can reel you in. Exactly. You know? Yep. So for me, there was a guy that worked at National Performance in Vegas, and he had a five-liter Mustang. And I used to go, just for insult, I'd put my roof rack on and race him <laughs> just to beat him in my two-tone bug. But, yeah, it's some of my favorite stuff was just going to the track and racing. And, and the reality is, if you're on a quarter-mile track, yep. you're probably going to lose. But – the reality is on the street, no one really ever runs a quarter, especially when it's amateur, unprofessional street exactly, racing. But yeah. that kind of gets the bug in you, and you get fired up to go racing at this point, or what? Oh, yeah. So I got fired up to go racing. I bought another car. I was kind of redoing another car at the time. And then um, graduated high school, and then I started going to school and whatnot. So that kind of got pushed to the back burner. But I was actually in the process of building like, it was a 2180cc turbo motor. Really? Yeah, back then. So um, Now, who had turbo motors that you knew of? Uh, the only person that I knew of back then that had a turbo motor was a guy. You know, he, he ran he ran it in a uh, Manx-style buggy. Okay. Uh, he actually worked at the same shop that my father. Not the same shop, but the same facility my father rented the place from. So he had like an 1835 in a buggy. So he was running like the punch buggy events and stuff back east. And it was pretty quick. Uh, but I wanted to go like, it was like 2180, you know, HP rods, all stuff like that. Um, so I was spending some money. And, and you're it, buying engine kits at this time? Cause no, it wasn't an engine kit. It was just all pieced together. So did you find machine shops back there, back east that could do the work for you? Yeah. So there was a couple machine shops back there and there was a couple actually really notable people that did some machine work on this motor that, uh, aren't around today. Uh, radar from KNG speed. Stuff like that. Um, he did some work for Don Garlitz. He did a lot of top fuel work. Really? Yeah. So he was. Um, he did some work on a motor back then. Um, so anyway, I ended up converting that to carburetors, and then I ended up putting that motor in a friend of mine's car, and I uh, worked with him a little bit. Uh, he had a he had a shop out there. He was a pretty hardcore racer. His name was Pete Barclay. Showed me, um, you know, a lot of the ins and outs. Definitely learned a lot from him. So we ran that car for a while. And then, um, story, I was street, well, I was in Philly street racing. Yeah. And actually, Kurt Mesker was down there. And is Philly, what's a street racing scene like in Philly? Because what everybody sees on TV is like Midwest Customs, which anybody that's kind of street race for us seems that it looks a little staged. I mean, just the yeah. way it's kind of set up. And that's not how our street racing looked, but what street racing looked like in Philly? So street racing in Philly back then was pretty serious. Um, all right, so now we're talking like mid to late 90s, I want to say. Right. Like 96, 97. So like an eight-second car back then. There was a couple eight-second cars that were coming off the trail, and they were just like, you know, 
And these are not Volkswagens. No, no, no. These are they these were, are they were Malibu wagons yeah, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Caminos, Vegas, and yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. So anyway, I was down there, and Kurt was down there, and he was mopping up, man, down there. With now, Kurt, car. this he had. I'm trying to think what year his car was on the cover of VW Trends. I can't. Sixty eight. No, the year the car is sixty eight, but oh. what year? What it was early two uh, thousands. I think probably. Kurt was 99, 2000, something like that. Yeah, yeah. where My it said world's, world's fastest street bug. Yep, back then. Yep. In the in the in the deal there, and so you knew Kurt, just knew him through the VW guys. Over so there? I met Kurt down in Philly. At I, heard, the I, heard that, I heard that this Volkswagen was running down there, so I didn't necessarily go down there to see that. Now, what you what you bring down there? So back then I was I had a street bike and stuff like that. So I was just kind of hanging out, and then I ended up meeting up with Kurt, and we were just small talking on the side of the road. And I was just like, you know, you know, you're, you know this is your, you know, his car wasn't down there, and he was just. And I told him what I had, and then we just became good friends, and then we just smerged. So uh, while Kurt was campaigning his car, I was helping out at his shop and helping him at the track and all that stuff like that. And these were like the heydays, though. So, right, I mean, like, right. you know, his car was just like brute horsepower. Yeah. Um, so we were like trying a bunch of different things and whatnot and dealing with a bunch of people on the West Coast. Um, and then we decided, you know, I was like, I was like, I want to build a nitrous car. I definitely build a nitrous car. And at first he was, you know, he wanted to build a turbo car and whatnot. And you didn't really hear anything about nitrous cars. So um, I just did a bunch of research on it and whatnot. And then that's when I ended up buying... My car, we ended up building my car. Yeah. Uh, my car was originally purchased. It was like a show car that was like an unfinished show car. I bought it as an unfinished project for my friend Brad. So paint, body, all that stuff's done. The body be assembled. Yep. Like when we picked the car, like the body, the, uh, the body wasn't attached to the pan. It was just in pieces. And then we put it together. And then um, we went out originally uh, aspirated with the car. What size motor? The, it was a 2387. Okay. It was built for nitrous, but at the time, we kind of ran out of time, then installed the nitrous on it. So we took it to the first event. So it's NA kind of low compression? Uh, it was 10 and a half to ten and a half to 1. Oh, 10 and a half to 1. But the biggest thing was the gear stack. The gear stack was kind of tall. So, so that when you say built for nitrous, you're talking about the gear stack on the tranny because the you, trans, it's yeah. similar to a turbo. Like you need more RPM to pull the thing through. Correct. Exactly. Okay. Your splits and whatnot. So, I mean, it wasn't as tall as a turbo trans, but it was like... Um, I think it was a 114 fourth gear with a 388. So it was geared for like 132 in a, in a quarter. So anyways, we went, we went out and the car was, I mean, took us a little bit to dial. I, mean, I think it went like 12, 1240 or something like that first time. I ended up getting it to go 12-1. That's and then no, we put no, the, ad, no power adders. No power adders. Just so all we, motor. Just all motor, yep. And this is at like a Friday night testing tuners, a VW nah, this event. This was actually at a punch buggy event, which was at her raceway. Okay. Um, so then we went back and we put the nitrous in the car and then we took it down to Cecil County for the next race. And I think the first hit, which was, I mean, I just was like squaring up the jetting. I didn't know much back then. Um, it went like 1160 or something like that, like 117 or 118. I was like, oh my gosh, like these are tiny jets, you know? And then as it went on, uh, throughout the year, I think I got to go a high 10, but I was like maxed out on the solenoid orifice size and whatnot. So then I really started getting into like digging into nitrous. And um, I was actually at an outlaw race uh, up north at Englishtown. And I was standing at the fence and I met Steve Johnson from Induction Solutions. 
so we started talking. He's a big pro mod guy, probably one of the best nitrous tuners in the world. And we were talking, and I told him what I had, and he was just like blown away. He's like, what? You know, so he must have seen it as like a business aspect, like the maybe possibly getting into the import scene. Right. So I went, uh, him and I started working together um, on nitrous, and he just really took a take into it. And I'm like, it's completely different. You know, the valve angle is only nine degrees. These heads run at this temperature, you know. It's different. These, you know, first off, they're glass engines. They're really weak, and they're very time susceptible, and they require a lot of fuel. Right. So you're not tuning this like a V8. Same right. like the EFI turbo cars. So, um, anyway, uh, we st- we flowed my system, different orifices size, and a lot of trial and error. And I mean, actually, I ended up getting my car, which was like 2,100 pounds. It went 1040 at 128. I think what, that's what I was 128 back then. And what year is this? So that was 2012, I want to say. 2012? Yeah, I was doing a bunch of things at the same time. I was testing clutches with uh, Ron, and I was really working on the Nitro system. And I was running a unlimited street class. and you know, with, So I was trying, really trying to get my 60 foots down and whatnot. But yeah. I really refined the combination, I feel. Uh, for back then, you know, right. if I was to do it today, it would be well, a lot better. Well, and back then... What's it like to be to be racing on the East Coast when you're looking at the magazine? You see, like week after week, there's all these drag races over here on the West Coast, and then how far apart are the races spaced? And I mean, the, the VW culture back east is really—it's nowhere near as big as the West Coast, right? Or is it? Or is it? Is or is big. It? it is. It is pretty big, I have to say. Um, but the racing part is the racing. Yeah, part? the racing part is on the East Coast. Is so it? I was doing a lot of traveling. A lot of the Races were down south in the Carolinas. So, I mean, I traveled all the way down to Georgia for a couple of races and whatnot. But when the Unlimited Street came out, um, which kind of turned into the ASA deal, um, I was just traveling with those guys quite a bit, you know. And uh, we were having a lot of fun. We were pushing each other. And, um, you know, I was really finding limitations in my combination. I started breaking transmissions, which I wasn't doing before. That's kind right. of when, you know, I started changing clutch combinations and whatnot. A lot of late nights and a lot of trial and error, whatnot. Well, what's funny is we, we, you talked about uh, Fred Simpson that I did a podcast with recently. Yep. He talks about if your motor, if you if if you've got your motor not run right, you'll break transmissions because it's not leaving like it should be leaving based on compression and and the way the whole motor is set up, having to do with the induction. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's completely. He's he's totally. He's totally accurate with that. You know, because a lot of people leave the line too soft, pull it down, and then you're ramping the power back in. It's yeah. not good. You're yeah. Not so it's interesting how you would think like, oh, I need a stronger tranny instead of changing your method on how you drive. Yeah, exactly. Now, the, when we talk about a car like Kurt's car, right, mm-hmm. that was super fast back in the day, turbo, yeah. big this. How does that car compare to like you're down here working with – Tom Kenny and helping these guys down here, just kind of just just in for you know this event. How does the level of his car and technology? How has that changed over the past? What's that been a decade or more? Yeah. Two decades. So Kurt's car, to believe it or not, I mean it, it it made a lot of power. It did, and at that time we we really weren't running a lot of boost in that car. Kurt was only running like twenty six pounds of boost, twenty eight pounds. Of Which boost. is when you say it's not a lot of boost. That's not a lot. Sounds of boost. like a lot of boost to me. No, but in the, I mean, in the racing world today, 
How are they getting away? What, what are they running for boost? 30, 35? Um, so, like uh, Jerry Lewis's Pro Mod, I mean, I think never sold into 34 pounds of boost. 34 pounds of boost. I mean, every pass. And what do they do? They, they have to do something to cool that, too, right? Is it, an all meth, is, is it injected, too? Yeah, no, it's a draw-through deal on gasoline. Get out of here. Yep. So, a lot, I mean, it's draw-through. We can get in a whole different conversation with draw-through and induction systems and... Uh, Different dispersion. Uh, I mean, it's it does. It's not equal. It's it's actually terrible. It's not it's not good by any means, right. especially from a tuner aspect. You have to find the the leanest cylinder and tune off of that. Yada yada. But um, yeah, draw through so, a fairly sloppy method. It's th- throw, it it's it's using a wheelbarrow instead of a carburetor to dump fuel in, right? And so well, like, you're at the mercy of the intake track, right? Yeah, that's basically what you're at. So you have to figure out which cylinder is running the leanest and tune off of there. You can't tune off of a wide band on a collector because you're and averaging. Once, and once you dial that one, and the other ones are off. Exactly. So yep. the other ones are going to be fat, but you'll have one that the worst one's perfect. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So it's a ratio of all. Whereas, like, going back to Kurt's car, it's kind of the same as Devin and Tom's car, but the electronics weren't, you know. The draw-through, um, the, the best thing to, to work with the draw-through was to tune the grid, and that's what they have me out here doing. Um, you can, and when you, you say tune, tune the, the grid, to those of us that aren't in the racing world, what does tune the grid mean? I mean, it's basically an, an ignition control. Okay. You know, for um, through it's an MSD product, and you can control. Um, I like to use the boost control. And the MSD wideband and the MSD grid itself. You know, you can pull pull timing per pound of boost. And there's a bunch of different things you can set up. You can set up traction control in it. Now, launcher tard. And that's you know. what these guys were telling me about. They were telling me they were looking at the grid and they were saying that one of the tires was spinning. That was wheel speed sensor. Correct. And so, I mean, when you're talking that kind of technology, that's pretty advanced technology. Because mm-hmm. you could be getting wheel spin when you think there's no way I could be spinning my wheels. Correct. And you think you're slipping the clutch, right? Well, yeah, you have an impact. Yeah, they also the race pack. So you have an input shaft sensor, and then you have a wheel speed sensor. So yep. I mean, technology from then when Kurt's car was done to these cars and now, now is totally yeah night and day, and and they're getting so minute in the little things that they tune. That, yeah, that's exactly what you have to do, you know, to get a better ET. Is you just got to peck away at each portion going down the track, you know. It's, Which takes a lot of time. Sometimes it takes years. You know, it takes. What do you think's the biggest, the biggest hurdle you've overcome in your knowledge of building engines and tuning cars and that kind of? I mean, what's your forte? Is your forte building motors or tuning cars? Um, it's kind of both, to be honest with you. But it's yeah. it's gone it's gone into a lot of um like tuning. You know, I've been helping a lot of different people out with tuning aspects and just like on track consulting. You know, just chassis tuning stuff like that. Uh, I've learned a lot from what not to do you know so it's like don't waste your money on <laughs> trying mu- to figure out much, what i've already how much of a difference does chassis tuning make on, oh it's everything on a, on a so this is a pan car correct that's got a cage that's tied into the front and rear mm-hmm. now a car like this how much how much can you tune the chassis on that is that shock rebound and that kind of stuff or is yeah. it are you talking stiffener bars and the the triangulated well uh, that's on to the chassis right. building aspect mm-hmm. you know the chassis tuning you're you're only you can only tune as much as you know as good There's, as the car the shocks built, and the preload you know? and that Correct. kind of stuff exactly and i mean a car set up wrong and right is the difference as it goes down straight or you make up time 
Well, it's both. Is it both? Yeah, because you have to go straight to make up time. You don't want to travel, you know, more distance. So if a guy's running his car, so we're giving somebody advice, it's weekend racing their car, and they feel like it's hooking straight and it's going, but it's it's squatting to you. Like, what are some things that the average listener of this podcast could look at and say, like, oh, yeah, you know, listen to this podcast with Joe, and he says, you know, if you're seeing this from the side, like, maybe you want to look at that, and you might be able to, to – I mean, are you losing time when the car's squatting? Like, what's the ideal? Not necessarily squatting. You're going to lose. You're going to lose time. Um, like a pan car, the biggest thing is you have to strengthen those frame horns. Any type of flex is going to break transmissions, whatnot. You have to get that as stiff in the rear as you possibly can, and then you tune the car with the shocks. Well, because we double adjustable shock. We talked to Mike today, Lawless, and his is one of the first cars with a. We're kind of coming out with a triangulated thing that tied yes. the shot. Pretty How, neat. What type of advancement do you believe that had to do with the chassis with with drag cars? Oh, the, that's everything. So the that look. made a big difference in the way the cars perform. Oh yeah, absolutely. So he he can change his angle of his plate, you know, and that's what that's that's what they were doing to get the car to work today, and it, and it worked. Changing the angle of the plate. You're talking about the angle of. The actual tilt of the entire drivetrain a little bit, or what are you talking about? The angle, the of trailing play? arm that that's how you have. So okay. yeah, the more angle the trailing arm, the less spring pressure you need. The more it's going to actually, it will start causing separation like a radial tire car. So, with chassis, what's the most time you've seen picked up from the well, right chassis adjustment? You really, it takes a long time to just. You have to get the motor right. Right. Because if you don't have the motor right, there's no sense in point in tuning the chassis. Because you need baseline consistent performance. Correct. You can't tune a chassis until you get your baseline, like you said, power level that you're going to leave at. Because once you start changing your power level that you leave the line at, then your chassis is going to change. Your, sh- your compression is going to change and all that on your shock. So you have to figure that all out first. But, I mean, yeah, these cars here, you could pick up a couple tenths just on a chassis. What's uh, advice to like a guys wanting to wanting to get into street racing or wanting to get into racing? Drag us a little bit. I mean, weekend racer stuff like that. And he's and, and he says, Joe, where do I spend the most of my money? I want to build the, the guy. The guy's coming to you with the ninety percent thing, right? Yeah. He's yeah. gonna run, gonna run an FK eight, gonna twenty three thirty two. Am I going? What, what am I doing for heads? What am I doing for? Am I going carbs, turbo? What am I doing? Well, that all depends on what he wants. Because there's people that just want turbo. Well, they you want know like what? Four hundred horsepower. You, you know what all these guys want. They want to be able to drive it around. Oh yeah. A little bit during the week, mm-hmm. go show off in front of their friends. Yep. Take it to the track and not and not get disrespected by a, a Dodge Dakota. So, all right. So there's different like categories. It's like, do you want to pump gas? Do you want to just be able to drive this the car is gonna without be a, watch the it's gauges? Gonna be, it's going to be a driver. Going to be a driver car okay. that they want a weekend race if they want. So to. if you came to me and you wanted that, then you know, I would I would point you in the direction of like a pump gas deal. Mm-hmm. Unless I really felt comfortable with you, with your mechanical ability, and then you could have like a 220 horsepower, you know, 12 to 1 streetcar aspirated that uh, you're going to, it's going to require maintenance. You're going to have to watch the gauges, stuff like that. Um, but I mean, pump gas deal, look at the real street guys out here, you know, those guys are legit. And so how much real street do you think that, do you think that is? When we say real yeah. street, like... Oh, of course they're pushing the edge. Any type of heads-up racing, you're going to be no, pushing no, no, the edge no, no. and everything. But what I'm talking about is, like, those motors, 
where are they running compression wise and how, how high can you run it on actual not like in vegas we have 91 octane correct we don't have 93 like right. some i think you guys back east might have 93 in some places Nin, uh, yeah 93 yeah very few places but mostly on the average 92 yeah yeah, yeah. so where it's comparable where are you getting what compression are you at to run as hard as you can and not detonate on 91 or is well, that not my not, issue? Is that, yeah, that there's there's multiple issues. There's several that. factors yeah, to that. Correct. There's yeah. There's cam overlap. There's different ways of um, fly cutting the head more, so the head flows more, and then putting a custom style piston in there to addition the piston and all that to bring the compression down that way. So there's these real street guys, the yeah. motors that they have, they're like the most refined absolute maximum pushing the edge. But so yeah. we're talking about the average street guy 2332, he mm-hmm. wants a 2.3 liter, got to have it. All yeah. his friends told him to get it one. You think he goes turbo or naturally aspirated? It depends it depends on the first. I know exactly what you're saying, uh-huh. but I when people come to me, you either have your turbo guy, which is a whole different budget. Or you're going to have your aspirator guy. You know what I mean? It's like, I can give you a 1230 car, pump gas, build a couple combinations like that. Really? You can literally drive it anywhere. Aspirated? Aspirated. 1230s? Yep. Aspirated. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. 1230s aspirated. I mean, my brother's car, when it came out, um, it was a pump gas deal. And it was literally like almost stock, stock gears. It was like a 104 fourth or something like that. It wasn't like a real close ratio gearbox. And that car went... 752 in the eighth and 1252 and that was eight and a half to one compression eight and a half to one compression eight and a half to one compression 2275 so that motor it's um, all the heads all the heads and carbs yep, are just all the heads, done right yep. set of super pro heads and uh did some back cutting of the valves and changed the throat area up a little bit on the heads but um i mean you could i could have made that motor nine and a half to one um change the cam profile a little bit you know a little less cylinder pressure and uh you know i could if I really, you know, that, then you're kind of aiming towards the real street thing. You know what I mean? You're yeah, trying to, you know. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you get mostly? Are you mostly in the drag world right now? Mostly just messing with drag cars? Yeah. So basically, I don't really take in much outside work anymore. Um, so, which is like the street stuff. So I just kind of like deal with, um, you know, my racing guys right now, pretty much. And now do you have a car? No, I don't have a car. I sold my car. So like the shoemaker buying... has holes in his shoes. You don't have, yeah, you don't exactly. have your own car. So I ended up buying a Pro Mod, and then we ended. Up, I ended up selling it, and then I, just because in order for me to make that car what I wanted it to be, I could have just started all over, you know. So we ended up selling the car. Um, I'm working with Stephen Halls now, and basically, uh, you know, I just, you know, I get, I, I work. I build his stuff. We make a lot of changes with it. You know what I mean? So I get my satisfaction out of, you know, racing with him, you know. So you get enjoyment, just as much enjoyment driving the car as you do t- tweaking it to watch him run faster. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that, I mean, that's my hard work. And there. the car that you work on now, give me the breakdown of the car that you work on now, like overall motor displacement, what class it runs, all that stuff. Steven. So Steven's, I work. Some with, of us don't follow drag racing super yeah, close. No and I'm trying to get the group. Yeah. To follow drag racing more. Yeah, so Steven's car was Alan Foray's old car. Uh-huh. Uh, he bought that and then um, just made a bunch of changes in it. Um, uh, just kind of like dealing with different people. And Steven's the kind of person that'll go out and he wants the latest and the greatest, you know. So we found some issues with the car um, while we were racing it. And then uh, basically just made some 
made the engine stronger and whatnot. So Steven's, he's kind of an electronic guy. Mm -hmm. So he's upgraded all the electronics in the car and whatnot. And he's changed some chassis stuff around after we put different sensors in the car and we found other things. Um, but yeah, he's he's like my main guy right now. And and what's the setup on that car? Motor displacement? Is it is it, is it turbo? What classes he run? Okay, so he runs Pro Mod on the East Coast. And Pro Mod for the average guy that doesn't follow drag racing, what is a Pro Mod class? Pro Mod's pretty much unlimited. So Pro Mod is Volkswagen platform, run what you brung, fastest time takes it. Yes, I mean each different area is different rules, but on the East Coast, the Heritage Series that he runs. Um, I don't know the exact rules off the top of my head, but there are some front-engine cars and stuff like that. There is tough competition. It's fairly wide open, but it's all Volkswagen platform? It's all Volkswagen, yeah. Now, why are you guys doing front-engine cars? I see that starting to pop up now. I mean, yeah. personally, it's ugly. I mean, but that's but then again, you're talking to a guy who's into street cars and whatever. Yeah. What's the what's the benefit to a front-engine Volkswagen? Oh, front-engine, then, yeah, you can just set up like a V8 car with an automatic transmission, you know, and a fab nine rear okay but length. but how much power are you gonna lose to an automatic are we talking like two speeds automatics uh they'll run some power glides or they'll run some roster but you speeds. lose quite a bit of power on that don't you not that not what you make up in the other end oh really yeah and, and those really only work for a quarter mile or they work for eight no they run for eighth mile Really? Yeah, I mean they're running like one oh sixty foots, one one sixty foots. So why couldn't you just take the Corvair two speed power glide and make that work and leave it rear engine? It's just because the car's rear engine. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally different. The weight bias is different and all that. So So it's it's definitely a lot harder. And the thing is these cars are shifting, so now we're getting into um uh different shifting style or strain gate shifting and whatnot so we're, we're seeing you know the way the chassis don't become unsettled between shifts and stuff, stuff. and the cars really pick up i mean it's every split second matters everything you're you're taking a you know a low five second eighth mile et and you're just chopping it down chopping it you're just refining it. you're slowly refining it so what do you think is the biggest the biggest or the most overrated aspect of whether it's a performance part or whatever that you see gets a ton of hype and you think like there's no need People waste money on that when they should spend more money on this and less money on that. I know what you're saying here. Um, In your opinion, of course. Yeah. I think a lot of times people, the biggest thing I see with Volkswagens is um, a lot of people just spend all that, you know, horsepower, 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 horsepower. I mean, a horse, horsepower, that's like a fraction. It's, I mean, I would say that's 25% of what gets the car on that track. A lot of these cars are overclutched. Um, you know, like too much clutch on. for the performance of the motor. Exactly. So you know, you're just pulling the car down too much when you launch, and the car's recovering, trying to go down the track. Um, so the biggest thing is like work on the clutch, work on your gear ratio splits, stuff like that. Most of the stuff you see nowadays, like if you want a long-term track car, you go on bus box. Yeah, I would think so. Even though with clutch management now, you can make a Type One lift. Yeah. I mean, we have some. There's uh, high five. Or high five second street car out there, you know. He's got type on box, and you never, you never, he, he knows the, no concerns with him breaking that. Really? Yeah. And with the, when you say about clutch clutch management, you're talking about like the Rev Six clutch, where it where it's slowing down the impact or controlling the controlling the slip, or what do you mean? Well, clutch management, or it's clutch management, just the release of the clutch arm. Because I saw there was a car out here that. Um, um, Anton, Anton, Anton Walker's got out okay. here, and he's got like a CO two thing with the yeah. clutch. What, what, now what? I just saw that because I, 
I'm dabbling. I bought a I bought a five thousand dollar drag car. Okay. Complete drag car. Nice. Okay. Well, it's five grand. So let's be you know it's it's nice, yeah. but you know it's something to get on the track just to have some fun. There you go. And it doesn't have any of that. It doesn't have a roll cage in it. You know what I mean? It's got mm-hmm. it's got the setup that it has, but I saw the clutch setup he has, and he pushes the clutch down, hits a button, and it holds the clutch pedal down. That uses compressed air okay. for, for something on his deal, and then right. he just hits a button, and it, and it like just drop releases the clutch. So he probably has something activating the clutch, something hooked to the clutch pedal itself. Right. So when you're talking clutch management, you're talking about, because Berg has the... the anti-shock. Anti-shock. Which was like a primitive clutch management. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just slowed it's down the, the clutch hit. just at the very last minute right. to keep all that shock from going through the drivetrain and really doing some damage Mm -hmm. so that's the biggest thing one of the biggest things that you see as far as like a car for performance as far as if the car is built right yeah and longevity you know so you're not going to tear up transmissions and what i mean we're doing with a little bit of that tonight right the as far as clutch management trying to get that car to move yeah you deal like that in any aspect of drag racing sure yeah but you said with the with the co2 uh, you just you want the initial hit, and then you want to just slow that release. Yeah. You know, in the high power cars, then you can put a taller first gear in the car, and you can just run the car out longer. This taller first gear that works to your benefit in an eighth mile, right? I mean, for both eighth and a quarter. I mean, yeah, but I mean, it's all it can work to your benefit. It depends on your combination. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But, you know, an aspirated car or something like that, you want to get in a second gear, you know, quicker. So you want to you want a shorter first gear, but yeah. So we're just we're just talking we're just talking about Anton over here about his, about about clutch management. We're just talking yeah. just talking about that. So we'll we'll be getting we'll be getting, <laughs> getting to him in a little bit. But uh, so, do you plan on getting another another drag car? We'll see. There's been there's been some talks. Me going partnering with somebody in another car. Now, let's say I drive my drag car and I really like it. I'm like I think I'm gonna like this. Is it just like? Is it just like? In regular street cars, your best bet's to find somebody selling one because you're going to be miles ahead. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, like I said, I bought that other car and then I like figured it out. I'm like, if I want to do this and I want to do that, I'm going to pull this whole car apart. So now, why did that happen? Was it an aspirated car you wanted a turbo or vice versa? No, it was a pro or? model. It was already a turbo car. It was a nice car. Why would you have to change the whole thing? Because you're updating the technology. Just different things that I learned throughout the years. Like I have it in my head how I build a pro mod car. And it's different than because a lot of guys just do what the last guy did, right? Instead of like looking at someone going, "Well, how does that work?" Right? 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 Yeah. So, have you seen a lot of that in the industry as if, as you've been going through over the years? Like you see oh, things yeah. that it's like that in every aspect of yeah. Drivers. It's like that in the VA world. What do you think's the biggest improvement that there's been in the past ten years in racing? Ten years in racing uh, would probably be fuel injection. Yeah. Yep. Fuel injection and power management. And fuel injection, if you're picking a fuel injection for your car, what's the, what's the best application drag race fuel injection? Um, I would probably go fuel tech, even though I'm a, like a Holly EFI guy, do some Holly EFI tuning. Um, just fuel tech based upon um, their shifting capabilities over now, the Holly. A lot of guys in the off-road world, and I, I, I mean, I, on one of my cars, I'd switched from uh, S, uh, SDS EFI setup to Motec. 
for, okay. for Matt. And it was night and day difference with the Motec because the guy that tuned it knew how to tune Motec. Motec I would, guys are Motec I guys. would push the button, boom, and it, w- it was push, button, start, and yep. it would fire up, and it ran through all the gears. I didn't have when the SDS, which was Jake Raby's thing back when I had my motor built. Yeah. Um, because I'm a I'm a Type Four guy. A lot of people, sure. A yeah. lot of people don't like big torque. I'm a big torque guy because yeah. I'm on the Torque's street. Fun. Torque is what you feel. Yeah. It's like a big block versus a small block. Right. And you know, with with that difference, I, I noticed that a n- not a lot of the guys in the drag racing circuit in the VW world are using Motec. Is it because it's just so expensive for the controller, or is it just Everybody's everybody's using what everybody else is using because all the off tons of off road guys, whether it's LS, V8, Ecotech, whatever, they use Motec. Really, a lot of those guys are just using Motec. Uh, yeah, I wonder if it's like a logistical thing. I don't know because even on the East Coast, there's not a lot of Motec, but there's there's a couple um, Volkswagens out there with Motec. You know, I mean, Stephen runs Motec on his. I know, um, you know, the Paradise guys they like the Motecs, this stuff. You know, it seems like once you learn that. Yeah. Then you, you kind of stick with it, you know. What What's the injection? Is there a particular injection intake manifold, like the whole setup that you like? Is there a turnkey setup that you nah, get? it's all custom. So everything you get. Now, single throttle body or two throttle bodies? Single throttle body. So now that we, everybody's gotten past that, because I know the guys down in Arizona, that's our that's Devin's car like firing up. Devin, Devin's got his car back together. Yeah, it's back together. He looked at me and wanted to make sure it was okay to turn it on. I said, you just go for it, brother. Go What's for that? it. I, I, told him, I told him, go for it. Turn it on. Oh, that okay. sounds good for the background. Right? It's like background music. Yeah. Let's hope he's got that clutch fixed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, but like you said, you have everything in a row, and if that clutch isn't working right, Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. you're not gonna be able to get down the track. Correct. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I, He's making a little more power now, but that's still not it. There's it's a clutch. There's a clutch issue with the car. Yeah, and and the clutch issues. A lot of people confuse those with other issues like ignition or something like that because they don't really. Correct. Well, these cars with the data, we just pulled it up on the data. We can see exactly. What but back going in the cars. day, when you're running a mag, oh yeah, and, yeah, and totally. that kind of stuff, it's like you may be just having clutch grab issues. And you're spinning, or you you don't feel like you're you're bogging the engine down because the power transfer is not smooth, and that's what you're really talking about when you say absolutely power control. Mm-hmm. You know, like you even see with the new Porsches and stuff where they have launch control. They push push a button, it. tack it out. As soon as that throttle moves, it adjusts everything by computer and gets going. Exactly. Yep. Which is just making it more, pretty much more precise. What's your go-to heads? Drag racing and street. Street heads, I do this. Drag racing, I do that. Okay, so um, it depends on your horsepower level, but, I mean, you can't go wrong with any type of C-base, C&C stuff. Yeah. Um, Can you have too big a port on the street? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Definitely. I mean, even though I have run some pretty big ports on the street and just kind of manipulated the camshaft a little bit, uh, but, yeah, you you can have too big. I mean... Uh, the Panchito head is a great head if you want, you know, up to like 165, 170 horsepower motor, which is kind of what you want to build for somebody that just says they want a daily driver. You know, I mean, 175 horsepower in a in, in a street car—that's a lot of power. It is a lot of power. Yeah, yeah, and mo- yeah. And, and most people can't can't. Case in point, I I do side by side off road stuff, mm-hmm. and the Can Ams have 190 horsepower. Right. It's the most wadded up machine that there is. I could imagine. Because these guys get these cars out there. The suspension is unbelievably forgiving. Yeah. It builds your 
your confidence that you're really good at driving and then you just do a little whip like this and get on that throttle and that thing's over on its side in no time and uh, you know the the thing with a volkswagen is i guess you kind of get in any car if it's not if it's not built wrong where it feels like it wants to kill you while you're driving it Mm -hmm. you get used you get kind of numb to the power and it becomes oh yeah well you're used to it you know now you talked earlier about motors with squeeze on them do you could you build if i said look joe i need you in my corner i want a street romper that if i take to the street race on saturday night, i want my emergencies only nitrous switch where i can bang bang and go can you build a motor that you could street drive and what would be like reasonably a, a reasonable nitrous shot you could put on there that would make a big difference oh. i mean does a 50 shot make a big difference on a volkswagen yeah 50 shot i mean if it's tuned right yeah, it's funny that we say fifty shot because like it's a it's, it's a V eight number, right? Fifty shot, yeah. It's it's well, it's, it's a four cylinder number too because you, this is the way your jets are. But some people have fifty shot are making thirty five horsepower. Some people right. have a fifty shot are making sixty five seventy horsepower. Yeah, so. I mean, my car I made one hundred and seventy eight horsepower, and that was I don't know technically what the shot was. I guess I think it was like 150 shot. So did, did you do did you do uh, dyno pull with no nitrous and with oh, nitrous? Yeah, yeah, you got to tune the motor nitrous or without nitrous first to get that dialed in. Yeah, and then you can dial it. But I didn't necessarily tune the nitrous on the dyno. I just made a couple of nitrous pulls on the dyno. I mostly tune nitrous by spark plug readings. Really? So, but like you said, if somebody came to me, yeah, I just worked with a guy from Ohio, um, Justin. He's the same. Justin, he was the same way. He came to me upon recommendation um, from Induction Solutions. And, uh, you know, he came to me. We built, He built his car and then uh, told him what to do. Plumbed the nitrous, came out. And it's a 660 street car. Yeah, really? Like right, right out of the hole. You got enough time in the eighth mile to hit the nitrous? Well, it's all computer activated. You don't oh, do it manually. So now it's like. Oh, I do it on a switch. Everything's computer activated, progressively controlled, or, yeah. Keep the keep the owner out of it like Porsche does as best as possible. Correct. Yeah, Let you, the car do the work, and yeah. you just hit the gas. You push a two-step, the nitrous is deactivated. As soon as you release that two-step, the nitrous comes in. Yeah. That's wild. So technology, I mean, with solenoids and computer controlling and things to that extent, I mean, mostly yeah. computer. all the computer controls have made probably the biggest advancement in the last oh, little yeah. bit and now the ecus now they have progressive nitrous built into it so you can do dry fuel injection dry nitrous systems you can even do two stages through a regular so or a regular nozzle where you're adding fuel and nitrous now you can add nitrous and nitrous it's amazing what you can do That's and the computer nuts. compensates for the fuel and then you could progressively ramp the timing in instead of just dumping the or you know instead of just retarding the timing what would you like to see if you could see something being built for the VW drag racing scene that you think is needed out there that nobody's come to the table with yet? What do you think it would be? Um, there's a couple of things. I'm actually working on one. Uh, basically, a uh, a bolt-on EFI turbo kit. Yeah, nobody. I mean, I I, I had a CB one, and it was the one with the dials on it. Yeah, and it it was it was hard to get going in right. the mornings. And it seems like they make all these other kits for other cars and stuff that are V8s and whatever that are fairly fail-safe, bolt-on type. You put it on and it just yeah. works. I can't understand why people, we just can't seem to get a bolt-on 
EFI setup that like you bolt on and it's yep. it, you know you can put the deck lid on and whatnot and just have like you know your standard Holly ECU and, and now you work are, are you working on something like that you said I am with uh, yeah with the Holly software engineer so now would this be under an under deck lid turbo setup that's what it's going to be yeah so your goal now are you separating and just having a boost pipe come up into a single throttle body the the fab works not completed yet the, the motors sounded pretty cool right it's, it's pitch black out there <laughs> yeah, and i don't really know a pro what's, what's going on but uh sounds cool but uh i don't get pinched between you me and this trailer <laughs> so the cold side's not done yet but uh, the motor's built, and it's down at the fab shop and whatnot. So and it'll be like a har- complete harness for a VW, so the customer doesn't have to terminate a harness and all that. So, And now we both know VW people, right? They're a little shy on the money. And they're they'll definitely sp- afraid of the electronics. They'll spend three times the money doing it the wrong way mm-hmm. than, than, a third, than, than one-third of the money doing it the right way the first time. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's just this yeah. thing that – and I think the problem is – I had this conversation with someone – I think part of the problem is there's too many options. True. You know what I mean? And, you know, you can build 46 different engine combinations. You can do all these different things. But it's not like this is your go-to thing. And I remember when Lawless came out with the gear, I said that was the reason I bought the CB EFI turbo setup. Because I saw how his gear ran on EFI when he used to come to Vegas. And I thought, even better, I'm going to get the EFI turbo setup and I'll be done. And then the knobs i just thought like oh it's like a volume knob and then yeah, i turned yeah, it yeah. and then i didn't understand what it did and i just kept driving it and i didn't feel any difference and you know but it still needed a little bit more refining uh-huh. so what's interesting is i have a mexican beetle okay has a 1600 hydraulic lifter motor and the thing starts up sits in the garage whatever starts up runs perfect hydraulic lifters all that stuff and i keep thinking like man it'd be really cool just to put a yeah. Turbo header and just boost it because it's got a map sensor on it and it's it like a Detronics. Uh, yeah, it's a factory VW fuel yeah, injection. Right. I mean, it's 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 wild, but it's like, you know, if that motor just had you know twenty more horsepower, it'd make it. It's not that it's slow. Yeah, yeah. But I think we want a little bit of that. Yeah, once once you taste the power, yeah, <laughs> it's it's hard to go back. Enough. It's hard to go back. So the setup that you're working on is it going to be a single throttle? So single throttle body, kind of like a. It'll be like a Ford Mustang throttle body. So now let's talk here because I want to see be successful. Mm-hmm. Would you think the most effective way to sell it is like we're going to sell you all the pieces? You can either buy these other ones new or be a VW guy and go get it from the wrecking yard. And you can buy the header, the wiring harness, the this, or, or are you talking a complete, complete setup? That would be a complete setup. A complete setup that would work from what size to what size? Dis- displacement uh-huh. wise? Oh, it would be aimed for the two liter. The two so, liter two liter, under deck lid, streetable setup. Correct. Yeah. And what's the, so you're working with the company that manufactures the injection right now, trying to get them to be able to work with the parameters on a VW street Not motor? Not working with the company, working with somebody that. Working with a software engineer. Yeah. What have you got input from him as to what the most difficult thing is about making something? Is it because the temperature range is so wide on a Volkswagen, or is it? He's just dabbling into the Volkswagen world now. Yeah, because he's yeah. never. I mean, everything he's in a V8 drag racer. It's all predictable on that. Yeah, I mean, very sharp guy and whatnot. So, like I said, I just finished a motor. The motor's down at his shop. It's installed in the car. He just finished a wiring harness. and just texted me not too long ago. And um, I supplied the header. We're just modifying an existing header because we're trying to make it cost effective. Right. 
um, and whatnot. And he's going to make the cold side and all that. So, so we're even using factory panchito manifolds. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, we got to keep it as most as cost effective as possible so that it works, right? Absolutely. So now, we'll see how East Coast or West Coast? Who's got the fastest cars? <laughs> East Coast or West Coast? Well, the West Coast. I mean, with Perkins and whatnot. Right. It's impressive. Um, I mean, it's not like the East Coast isn't trying. You know? Right. And it, so. it, do you find it challenging being on the East Coast? Do you, do you are you sometimes jealous of the West Coast guys and some of the stuff they have, or the ability to run as much as they do? Or do you believe that the East Coast is just as equal in the amount of it's events and as, stuff it's like just that? As equal. Yeah. yeah. It's just you're having a bunch of you're having a bunch. You're having people starting to really break out now with the new technology. Yeah. So you're starting to see cars. You know. Would you? Would you like to see an East meets West somewhere in the middle of the country where everybody comes oh, together great, yeah, and they like just if they, to hang out with everybody? If too. they did a street outlaws, it was all Volkswagens. Oh, that'd be great, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where you just love to see. It's it's like your two teams that can never play each other because they're they're you know they're they're not lined up right. But I think it would be rad to see that to be able to oh, come up yeah. with some sort of meet in the middle yeah. where. But and I think what would make that happen is big money. Oh, yeah, totally, especially travel expenses and whatnot. Yeah. So I hear they're talking about something like next September, October in Texas. So I've actually heard a bunch of it, people talking about it here today. Yeah, that would be, yeah. listen, that would be the, that, that would make a huge difference, and I yeah. know a lot of people really look forward to doing something like that. So, yeah. man, anything before we wrap up you want to you wanna leave us with? I mean, we know you're working on that, and if people want to follow up with you on the turbo setup you're working on, how do they, how do they track you down? Uh, I don't have a website or anything. Like I said, I'm just kind of word of mouth. Are you, you on know? Instagram? Uh, I am on Instagram. I don't really follow. I just kind of use Facebook. You know, too busy. You're too media. busy with a family and all That's that stuff. It. I'm just <laughs> between a family and tuning race cars. It's nonstop, man. You're, I don't sleep. You're busy, so I keep up with the racers. And then it's now you're out here on the West Coast, across the country. Exactly. Right, like right now. What time is it now? It's like. Uh, Nine o'clock Three now. Hours difference. So, yeah. yeah, it's twelve thirty. Yes, you're midnight. I, I right stole now. my jet lag, so yeah. I'm still recovering. Yeah. <laughs> no. What, man? I really appreciate you yeah. sitting down with us. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm Finally meeting you. Excited about what you're doing. I hear lots of good things about you and the motors that you no, build and all that you. good stuff. I hear that you're the go-to guy on the East Coast I from a lot that. of people that I've spoken to, man. So yeah, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. All right, brother. All right. Thanks. Well, I hope you guys like that podcast. I sure enjoy bringing these things out to you guys. I just knocked out another one coming up that'll be in the next week or two. Uh, I've got a few in the can, so you guys got plenty of content coming up. Make sure you come visit us at One Crazy Weekend here in Las Vegas. And if you want to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com, click on the merch page, pick up some merch if you can't make it to the show, help support your boy. I just keep pouring all this money right back into the VW hobby. So putting on the podcast, going to see people, flying around the country, doing whatever I got to do to bring you guys the latest and greatest in VW news. There's more stuff coming up. I got a book by Bob uh, Cropsey. He sent me VW history book. We're going to review that and talk about that coming up in the next couple podcasts. Lots of stuff coming up. I'm super excited to be able to bring it all to you guys. Don't forget to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or any platform that you listen to us on. And if you've left a review, but you haven't heard a shout out, send me a DM, email me at Bill at Let's Talk Dubs, hit me up on Facebook or chat with me on Instagram. Until next week, guys. Well, next week is one crazy weekend. So until next week, guys, later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. 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 Volkswagen.